0: You are about to learn whether Saab is going to make it or break it. This is AutoLine. Saab is a Swedish car company with a proud heritage that's been around since the late 1940s. But for the last 20 years or so, it was owned and run by General Motors and just about run out of business. GM finally decided to dump the brand last year and in a last-minute deal, it was bought up by Spiker, a Dutch company that hand-builds exotic sports cars only a handful or two every year. But Spiker believes it can revive Saab and go on to build it into a profitable car company again. And maybe it can, but it isn't going to be easy. Saab has essentially been out of the car business for about a year, and it will take an enormous effort to start bringing customers back into the showrooms. But that effort is already underway. To learn what the company is doing and how it plans to get back on its feet, my special guest today is Mike Colleran, the President and COO of Saab Cars USA. And joining me on my journalist panel are Jeff Bennett from The Wall Street Journal and Todd Lassa from Motor Trend Magazine. Stay right where you are because this story about Saab striving to make a comeback is either going to become a Harvard MBA case study or end up in the trash bin of history.
1: From our studios in the Motor City, this is AutoLine. Here now is John McElroy.
0: Welcome back here in the studio and joining us, our special guest today is Mike Collar and the president and COO of Saab Cars USA. Great having you here on the set of AutoLine Detroit. Great to be here, John. Also joining us today is Todd Lassa from MotorTrend and Jeff Bennett from the Wall Street Journal and having, great having the both of you guys here too.
2: Great to be here.
0: So tell us what's going on at Saab. It's uh, you guys have gotten bailed out by Spiker. Uh, you know the, the company is surviving to fight another day.
3: So, so you want to hear my Saab story? <laughs> uh, that's it. Uh, there's good things going on. It's uh, it's been an incredible journey, uh, a roller coaster ride, if if you will, uh, over the last uh, sixteen, seventeen months. As we've gone from a, a strategic review of of the Saab brand all the way to the sale that culminated. Uh, on February 23rd uh, with, the, with the sale of Saab to Spiker Cars uh, NV. Very exciting times, we're really happy to get started. We've saved some jobs here uh, in southeastern Michigan and uh, we've got a car company here in Michigan. We're getting ready to go. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Why did you choose Royal Oak, Michigan for the headquarters for Saab in the United States? It's, it's a company that's been in many other locations in its history here, why Royal Oak, Michigan?
3: Royal Oak was uh, uh, one of the early contenders when uh, we started talking about carving out the Saab brand and finding a new home for it. We, uh, we uh, looked in a number of different areas. And as you might expect, John, we, we looked at uh, Boston, a uh, traditional uh, stronghold for us, Connecticut. Uh, we even looked at places like North Carolina, a strong contender as well. But when you look at southeastern Michigan, uh, the uh, there's great automotive talent here. The automotive suppliers are here. It's just, it's the the hub of the automotive business here in the U.S. It was the right thing for us. And then, uh, you know, we looked a little bit closer and we said, okay, where do we really want to be located? And and Royal Oak just really stood out. A young, vibrant community, uh, you know, relative to the, the southeastern Michigan troubles that are out there. uh, But it had the right feel for us, the right target market for us. And then we found this uh, incredible property uh, in uh, uh, the northwest uh, corner of Royal Oak off of Delamere Court near 14 Mile. And it's just, it's a beautiful building. And and when you walk through the door, it just says Sob. It feels Sob. the use of blonde woods, the use of metals. It just, it feels very automotive inside, very Scandinavian. And and it's a place that uh, we said, you know what, we can call this home.
1: My question for you, Mike, I know that you're getting going, you're bringing new product over, but, you know, how really to reconnect with this customer? You know, this customer had been up in the air. They didn't know where the future with Saab was going. I know that those customers are fierce and loyal to you, but uh, how, how do you want to reconnect with them? Or, you know, has too much time passed that they've kind of moved on? Or where, where do you think things are at? You know,
3: I, I don't think they've moved on, Jeff. It's a great question uh, because the customers... Uh our our customers that buy our cars and our our dealer customers that buy our cars from us uh, have been have gone through a lot and uh, but clearly uh, they stayed loyal to us Uh, when you look at all the rallies that took place all across the country uh... we had uh... i think over forty rallies here in the u.s. and of course it was all across europe uh... customers rallied and and said we need to save Saab. uh... they they haven't given up on us they clearly uh, believe that uh... Saab was worth saving. It was a, uh, a great brand that they identified with and they wanted to see the next era of Saab. And so connecting with them is, is really our first priority out of the gate, other than getting some product on the shelves to sell to them. Uh, we, uh, uh, we said, we've got to talk to these customers first. It's uh, uh, certainly uh, uh, a customer that is predisposed to us already and likes the brand. So let's get out there and talk to them. Let's talk to them through direct mail. We know who they are. We know where to find them. And so we can talk to them direct mail, uh, digitally. Uh, and just recently, we brought out a little loyalty bonus for them as well so that uh, uh, they have a reason to come down to the, the showrooms and, and see the product that's out there and the product that's about to arrive there. And, uh, and get back into another Saab.
2: Mike, those customers you talk about, the loyal customers, uh, to me they've always liked Saab because Saab has been different. And the, the problem with Saab to me has always been, well, how do you grow a company and not lose the customer who likes Saab because he doesn't see it running back and you know, crossing the street uh, everywhere he goes? So uh, in Geneva, Victor Mueller spoke about how uh, Spiker sold something like 50 cars, and Saab's a huge company for him. How many Saabs a year can you sell? How many should you sell without losing that core buyer?
3: Well, I think we like to get back to our historical volumes. Um, uh, clearly, this year we're going to produce fifty to sixty thousand. Uh, that's out there already, and we'll get our fair share of that. Uh, typically, that runs about twenty-seven to thirty percent, somewhere in that range. And as we grow the business uh, to one hundred, one hundred twenty-five thousand, uh, we expect uh, Saab Cars uh, USA and. Uh, uh, North America to get its uh, its fair share of that uh, that, that business. So, uh, can we sell that volume? Absolutely. Can we sell it profitably? Absolutely. We've lowered our structural costs uh, across the board, which is a big part of why uh, Victor believes that the business plan is uh, is achievable. And I will tell you, it's very achievable, and uh, and we can do it at that volume and still re- you know retain something that's very unique. Uh, Thirty thousand cars sounds like a lot of vehicles, but really, when you think about it in the context of the U.S. automotive industry, that's not very many cars. And, and you can uh, have a network that can survive on uh, 30,000 units and still have a vehicle that feels very individual and very unique to that customer.
2: And so you'll be happy with a steady hundred to 125,000 globally or, you know, 40,000, 50,000, 60,000 U.S.,
3: for the long term, well, I think we'd we'd always love to sell sell more. Obviously, uh, you know that's the nature of, of the business. Uh, but can we make money at those levels? Absolutely.
0: That's a key thing. But talk about some of the product that you're going to have. The only thing I'm aware of in your lineup right now are the nine three and the nine five uh, sedans that will be coming out of uh, out of Sweden. The 9.7, is that still being built? That was a General Motors uh, uh, SUV that Saab had in its lineup. But what else is there going to
3: be? Yeah, John, um, a lot of new products coming, in, and that's probably uh, the, the one thing that attracted me to taking on this position. We've got uh, uh, the gun loaded and ready to go with a bunch of new products, and I'm sure it's one of the things that uh, Victor saw and said, okay, this, this, this brand is a gold mine and we need to explore it. Uh, we're not building the 9.7X anymore. That went out of production uh, almost uh, over a year ago now. Uh, still a few left to sell, but uh, pretty much we're, we're done uh, selling that vehicle. Uh, but uh, almost immediately, uh, we'll start to see the uh, a new variant of the 9.3 sport combi uh, wagon for those non-SABIs out there. Uh, and uh, the, uh, uh, that's the 9.3X, uh, which is essentially a, a combi uh, that uh, is raised up, uh, has a, a sport utility feel, and uh, uh, I think will really appeal to a, a, a certain segment of the buyer that we haven't been able to talk to. So 9.3X is on its way right now, and that'll have cross-wheel drive and electronic uh, limited slip differential. So a really neat product from us. Uh, that'll be followed in the summer by the, uh, the 9.5 sedan, which we're all, uh, you know, long-awaited for. We waited a long time for that vehicle. And that really positions us into the segment. Uh, that premium luxury sedan segment that we haven't uh, really been able to approach with uh, the current 95 uh, sedan, uh, going up against A6 and uh, the 5 series and uh, the the Volvo S80 so we really need a credible uh, uh, product in that segment and I think we have that in the new uh, uh, that will be followed in uh, uh, Q1 of uh, 2011 so less than a year from now we'll have uh, the 94 X, uh, a premium crossover uh, which will be huge for our dealers here in the U.S. and you know, gets into a segment that's got a lot of volume in it so we're very excited about that The and 9.4X, then, is th- that's built by General Motors, is that right? Uh, it, it'll be contract built uh, for us uh, uh, by General Motors and uh, uh, they'll build that in Ramos, Mexico where uh-huh. the Cadillac SRX is made. That's correct. It is a sister vehicle of the SRX, although really from a performance uh, feel, feel very different, tuned uh, to a, a more Swedish feel. And, you know, from an exterior standpoint and an interior standpoint, where the customer touches the car, they're going to be completely different vehicles. Will
0: Saab continue to ask GM to, to contract vehicles for it?
3: Well, we could. Uh, I guess that's the beauty of being an independent company. You can, you can now branch out and find uh, a lot of different partners out there. And Saab has a history of, uh, of, of partners, uh, especially in the component areas. I mean, we've sourced engines from, two-stroke engines from NSU uh, years ago and V4s from, uh, from Ford. Ford. Exactly. I see in the, the Sonnet. Yeah. yeah. Sonnet, exactly. Uh, and uh, uh, we, uh, we sourced Triumph engines for a while from uh, British Leyland. So we have a, a history of uh, shearing componentry and, and partnering up. And I, th- I think you'll see a lot more. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, Victor and Janoki uh, Janssen, uh, CEO of Saab, have been out there talking about that, and uh, I think there's some real opportunities out there. There's great technologies out there, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, they're, uh, uh, they're something we want to look at. Okay,
0: did we miss anything? Nine three, nine four, nine five. Anything we, else? We did,
3: we did, and 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 then followed on by a, a nine three uh, in 2012. So, uh, with with the variants that come along with the nine three, so very exciting time. And if you you look back at Saab's history, at least recently. Um, Probably the one thing that's been missing is a lot of fresh product. We really haven't had a, uh, a new uh, Saab from, from Saab in, in quite some years. So we've got a lot of product lined up and products of like blood of the industry.
2: Mm-hmm. And that 9.3, uh, you're about halfway through the development of that new mm-hmm. car, and yet uh, Mr. Mueller and Mr. Janssen have spoken about how that car might actually, you, you might go to some other suppliers for that, but yet it will be on the the GM platform that, it was originally intended for, I would presume. Well, how can, about, how can you make those changes yeah. without delaying the the launch of the car?
3: Yeah, that's that, you know, the the later you're into the uh, the production or the development cycle, the, the less you can change. Um, and certainly as we're working on the 9.3, you know, you, you start to have certain things that you can do and, and can't do. I would still contend that there are some things that you can still still do even this uh, late in the, the cycle. But, uh, but uh, you know, early, if you look at the current products there, the 9.5 and the 9.4X that are, that are, when I say current, that are currently ab- about to arrive here, um, you know, they're, they're in the can. They're done, they're engineered and, and ready to go. But the 9-3, the, the next generation 9-3, there'll still be some room for uh, componentry sharing. What uh, what components we share, I, I, I couldn't tell you at this point.
1: And I guess that opens up my question too, do you feel that Perhaps down the line, once you get some of these done that had a GM influence, do you, will we see some shifting back maybe to some more kind of Saab-like design? Do you want to try and uh, kind of inject some of that back in, or where do you, where do you think you stand with that?
3: Absolutely. I, I think we've uh, done a good job with that on the new 9.5 and the 9.4X. Uh, you're not seeing um, any more of the... Uh, uh, what what might be called rebadging along the way, where you're taking an exterior and changing a few things, and maybe it doesn't have the key in the center or it doesn't have the right look and feel on the inside. I think those days are, are beyond us. Uh, uh, clearly, the 9.5 is a sob from uh, the ground up. It has all the traditional sob cues. And if you look at the 9.4X, the same is true there. But I think where you're going, Jeff, is the next uh, the next yeah, iteration of that, it, you know, down. hatchbacks and things like that. And I would say, stay tuned. There's uh, there's a lot of talk about that type of uh, design work, and we're we're excited about it. Hmm. There have been rumors
2: that you've been talking with VW regarding engines. Can you say anything about that?
3: I I don't have any information for you, Todd.
2: Okay. And then the other one, the the, the other hot one, of course, there's a lot of talk about a 92, and actually, again, uh, Mueller and Nyansen have spoken about that. They'd love to do something like that, but at this point you don't have the resources. You're, you're a new company, essentially. You don't have the money for that. Uh, can you talk about how that might develop along the line
3: or how far down? Sure. Um, y- you know, I, I think it's a high priority for the company. Victor and and Janoke have both stated that. And, and
0: what uh, would a 9-2 be, just so everybody watching has an idea of what yeah, you're talking it's, uh, about?
3: Yeah, it, it would be a, s- a smaller Saab. Uh, and uh, I think to be successful, it has to be it can't just be a smaller Saab. It can't be a, just a smaller version of what's out there now. It has to be uh, something that's iconic and that's uh, different in the marketplace. I, when I think of it, I think of uh, uh, like a BMW Mini uh, is probably a, the best example mm-hmm. of that.
2: But with uh, the aerodynamic cues of the original 92, the, the, the very first Saab.
3: Well, that is, is some idea, of the discussion, right? the teardrop. Uh, shape. That's what uh, should be done. Too. And, yeah, you can do it and, and what a beautiful shape to start with. Sure. Uh, and, classic. And it is a classic shape, and, and, and we'd love to do something like that. And I think there's room in the marketplace for that. Uh, but it has to be done right. It can't just be a smaller version, uh, if you will, of, of uh, you know, your current styling. You have to take a, a bold step, if you will. People have always loved SOBS. I mean, it's known the world over, but it's also been known
0: as maybe not being all that reliable. The quality's good, everything fit and finish, and the quality of the materials, but where do you guys stand in terms of reliability?
3: Well, John, there's, there's great news uh, there, and thank you for asking. Uh, that uh, uh, The J.D. Power uh, uh, VDS study, uh, vehicle, vehicle dependability, dependability study, yep, uh, was uh, just uh, announced the other day, and, and Saab had another m- uh, great move upwards. Uh, we, uh, we're now ahead of Volvo. We're ahead of Audi. Uh, we're ahead of uh, BMW, and there's just one more out there to chase. So uh, <laughs> we're not there yet. Uh, we we want to be the best, uh, but we're on our way, and we're very excited about uh, this latest round studies.
0: And how do you get your dealers going again? I mean, here they've been out of the market for essentially, what, uh, over half a year right now, and, and you're still a couple of months away, uh, am I right, from getting cars to them?
3: Uh, not, not, quite, not quite that long, and uh, not, not quite that long from getting cars to them, and it's probably been more like a year since they've, uh, they've had uh, product flowing into their stores. So they're very excited about uh, uh, boats on the water right now, and as a matter of <laughs> fact, I, I, I'm not, I don't know exactly where the boat is, but it's, it's, it's getting close to the Jersey. Crossing it's, the Atlantic. really right close <laughs> to New Jersey right now. We, I think there's a guy out there with binoculars looking. Uh, but, but how do they uh, get cranked up
0: again? I mean,
3: because to, to drop out of the market for a, the year has got to really
0: hurt in terms of just awareness uh, on the part of the consumer.
3: Yeah, there's uh, there's a couple things that, that need to happen pretty quickly. Uh, I think the first of, uh, of those happened the other day when we announced a partnership with uh, GMAC to continue that partnership so that they have uh, the retail tools that they need uh, to, uh, to sell the cars uh, to consumers consumers and, and to, to buy the cars from us, which is very important. Uh, but uh, uh, you know in addition, we've got to get cars uh, into them. So product, like I said, is just about to be offloaded. Uh, we'll start to see uh, out of Newark cars coming in uh, here pretty quickly. And then the other thing that I think is, is uh, has been missing for some uh, period of time, back in uh, the uh, August 2008 timeframe, GMAC pulled out of leasing and left SAW without its its primary retail sell- selling tool. Uh, we were selling 55 percent of our business was 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 lease. And so we absolutely uh, needed a lease back. And now uh, we've we we are uh, getting ready uh, to uh, to get product on the ground. It's in our intent to to get to leasing uh, almost right away and and get our dealers back leasing again. So I think when you've got the product, you've got a lease in place and you've got consumers that love you coming back in your stores. That's that's how that happens. But it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take a little time.
1: And going forward too, where do you see what what's will uh, Spiker's role be? I mean, are they going to concentrate solely just on Saab, or do you foresee them looking for some other partnerships that may come up, trying to perhaps build a build a bigger company?
3: Well, certainly from a componentry standpoint, as we talked about, uh, looking for partnerships. Beyond that, Jeff, I I, I really can't uh, see what, what's out there right now, uh, but uh, uh, I guess that's a that's a possibility going forward of uh, of partnering up. Spiker. Uh, uh, Cars N.V. Uh, is uh, you know a, a, a supercar company that uh, sells a great product, a beautiful product, uh, just a design study, and and certainly Victor Mueller, who uh, is our chairman, is is a, a design enthusiast. He just loves uh, design, and uh, I, so I think we're going to see some great designs uh, coming out of uh, out of this new company. But uh, clearly, the intent is to run the brands uh, as separate brands. Uh, Spiker is, is one brand, and Saab is another brand. And, and I think that uh, uh, the leadership of uh, this new company wants to protect that and make sure that the brands stay authentic and pure to the roots. And uh, when, when you mix brands, I think bad things happen. And uh, clearly, uh, Victor and Yanoki said, hey, we're not going to do that. We're going to operate these as, as uh, two separate organizations.
2: So no plans to you know, kind of expand Spiker. Kind of uh, use the advantage of having a much larger company, even though it's small. Saab and and maybe building more than uh, they've built 50 Spikers altogether so far. There's no. No plans for anything like that? No plans for Spikers and Saab dealerships, for example?
3: Well, I, th- I think that there's opportunities where uh, uh, Spiker could be in, uh, in some of the dealerships. Certainly dueling is a very common uh, uh, practice right now, and it's, it's something that, uh, uh, that uh, I think both brands are open to. So I think you will see uh, dueling uh, in uh, the US dealerships. I can't speak for, that, uh, for the team globally, but in the US I think we'll, we will see that. And uh, I, I think that's, uh, that's a, a, a good uh, a way for our dealers to uh, leverage both brands and, uh, and become uh, you know, more profitable. Uh, from a standpoint of uh, you know, going forward with products, which I think was the first part of your question, I think there's opportunities for component sharing between uh, the two. Uh, they're, they're probably limited at first, but uh, clearly there, uh, there are some opportunities to do that. And uh, uh, I'd love to see what that would be.
2: They could work on a new sonnet for you.
0: <laughs> could
2: be.
3: Mike, talk a
0: little bit about your marketing and advertising plans, again, with this idea of how do you get people back in the showrooms. And do you have a tagline? I mean, I remember some of them in the past, the most recent, being born from jets. And I think there was another one called Find Your Own Way. Uh, have you picked out a new slogan? And, again, how do you plan to, to launch your marketing and advertising?
3: Yeah, John, uh, we, uh, we actually went away from the Born from Jets uh, theme um, I think in November of uh, 2009, so fairly recently, we started moving uh, the brand to a a more uh, global message. Uh, Currently, that's Move Your Mind. Um, Not sure where that will be in the future. Uh, uh, Certainly, the new company has to work a lot of things out. I think that uh, that is is one of them. But for the the moment, it's it's Move Your Mind. And uh, you'll see that uh, all of our um, uh, websites and communications now are tagged with the "the Move Your Mind uh, uh, tagline and have uh, that creative uh, underlying all of that work. Uh, where we go from here, uh, you know, early on, uh, we're going we're gonna to focus on our, our loyal customers uh, that have been with us for years. And we kind of talked about that a little bit just a second ago. Uh, and then as we start to launch the new product, obviously, we'll broaden our media scope and our advertising message and, uh, and uh, be a bigger presence in the U.S. market.
0: Print, television, radio, Internet, where it... D- do you, do you see any of that uh, you know, I planned think, out just yet?
3: I think it's a spread. I think you have to be in a lot of different places. Uh, for the volumes that, uh, that we're at uh, uh, and will be at for the short run, I think you, you need to stay a little bit smaller. Uh, and, it's, you know, social media is a great way to, to connect uh, these days, and, and certainly it's growing, and its effectiveness is growing. Uh, you know, online is a great place uh, to be as well. And, uh, you know, at some point when you get to a point where you, you, you're really working to get that, uh, that new consumer into the, uh, into the uh, showrooms, you have to look at some of the other media tools as well, possibly print. And, you know, there's so many things you can do today with, uh, you know, targeted cable and zip code targeting that uh, uh, there's a lot of choices out there. But we'll have to be smart with our media choices and start slow and build from there.
1: Mike, I just find it really interesting that you really believe that a niche automaker standalone can really work at a time when almost every other automaker is being pushed to partner up or join up or, for, you know, even had Chrysler merging with uh, Fiat to stay alive. I mean, with, what's your sense on why you think, you know, the Saab has th- those legs to really stand on its own and kind of function at a time when there's just been so much, you know, pressure to merge? with others.
3: Yeah, and I, I think that pressure is—it's real, it's out there. Uh, but uh, but clearly, uh, you know, looking at our business plan, we've uh, seen uh, the uh, uh, the numbers, and the, the numbers indicate that we can do it, and we can do it around hundred uh, thousand units, um, as as uh, we've we've talked about. Uh, structural costs are, are going to be well down. And I can tell you that our structural costs just here in the U.S., you know, we're, we're, we're going to uh, come out of the gate. and We're going to be 30%, 40% uh, structural uh, cost of what we were just a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. So when you start to take out that structural cost, and we're seeing that really across the industry right now, uh, you can make some pretty good money. And I think the auto industry has taken a lot of cost out. Uh, that includes Saab. And, and we're going to see more profitable uh, automobile businesses here, including Saab. Mm-hmm.
2: Mike, are you happy with where Saab's position is? I, I guess I'd call it maybe a semi-premium. I remember when the when the nine three, the current model, first launched, its most successful version was a was a launch model that had a lot of added features for under thirty thousand dollars. Where where do you see the positioning going or changing, if at all?
0: And we're yeah. down to the last minute. So
2: uh, uh,
3: yeah, I, I see the uh, the positioning going upscale to some degree. Certainly, the nine four X takes us up a little bit. The nine four X or the nine five. Uh, sedan, positioning that against the a, uh, A6 and, and 5 Series takes us upscale uh, to some degree. Uh, but, uh, 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 you know, can you still appeal to the move-up customer uh, using the 9.3 and perhaps, uh, uh, you know, some sort of uh, 92, smaller Saab later in, uh, uh, in our, uh, our portfolio? Absolutely. So I, I think we, we have a, a good spot in the marketplace.
0: Real good. Mike Collar, and thanks so much for coming in and talking you, about SOP. It's going to be uh, exciting watching you get this launched again. I can't wait. It's exciting. Thank you. And Todd Lassa and Jeff Bennett, thank you guys too. Thanks. And thank thanks all of you for watching, but I'll be back in a moment with some closing thoughts. I have to admit I feel a lot more optimistic about Saab after listening to Mike Colloran. It's amazing to hear how much the company has cut cost and reduced its break-even point. I had no idea it was making so much progress so fast. Even so, the company has a lot of work ahead of it. The real test will come when it has to cough up billions to replenish its product line. But I imagine if it does get to that point... There will be plenty of investors and lenders who will be very interested in getting in on the action. Join me again next week when my guest will be Dan Knott, the head of purchasing at Chrysler. Now there's another turnaround story that we'll want to learn more about. That's next Sunday, same time, same station. We'll see you then.